Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Out West is Adam Stanko. Just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. Coming up on Thursday, the Going ISO edition with Josh Eberly of Hoop Mag. Also hosts the Dunks Discourse podcast. And I think his engagement rate has got to be as high as anybody aside from Woj and Shams on Twitter. There's like 18 polls a day, this or that. So I want to find out who Josh is. I've read him. I've listened to him, interacted with him on Twitter, and kind of in the vein of how we handled John Corrales, host of the most popular Celtics podcast in the world, Locked on Celtics last week. And again, we appreciate all the feedback. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, and sharing it with all of your friends. I want to know who Josh is. I know he's a teacher in Canada. I believe it's Toronto, but we'll find out more. So that comes your way on Thursday. Coming up, do I wish defense was sexier in fans' eyes? No, I don't care. Draymond cares. Get into that. Also, what we're looking forward to this week, and hopefully it's basketball. We're recording this on Monday at 2.30 Eastern time. And surprise, surprise, COVID has turned the NBA upside down. Adam, let's start with there. Shocking that there have been outbreaks in the league and games are being postponed and the league and all the teams need to take a look at where we're headed. No, we've talked about this for quite some time and, and the different stages that we were in. We were in, hey, NBA is the leader in this stuff is dangerous. Rudy Gobert, shining example for the world. The world is on notice. NBA takes the lead, shuts it all down, says, we've got to figure this out. Trust the science. Then the NBA says, hey, we're going to figure out a way to play within a strict format in the bubble. And we're using the brightest minds in entertainment and in fan experience and, and all these things as Disney, ABC, ESPN, Turner and the NBA, they, they, they all get together as one great entity, figure out the bubble, and goes off pretty much without a hitch other than Daniel House having a few moments of indiscretion. And then, Noah, we return to play without fans-ish, was sort of described as, and you have mentioned it from the start of this whole thing. We've questioned each step along the way. Are they going to figure this out? They're going to make it work. This iteration of it, though, coming back without fans, we knew it would feel different. But you kept bringing it up. This is what the rest of us are experiencing. This is people going to work on a daily basis and saying, my going to work is just into my living room or into my office because I can't head into the real office anymore because that's what COVID has done. I can't go out to restaurants anymore because that's what COVID has done. And you've been saying from the beginning of this thing, the NBA and those around them are gonna start feeling the real effect of the shutdown and what this virus really means to all of us. The bubble was not real life. And we recognized that immediately. Too many people thought, oh, the NBA pulled off the bubble, they can pull this off. It's apples and oranges. That wasn't real life, nor was that realistic to expect for a full season. You had players mm -hmm. opting out of the bubble for health and safety purposes and coaches 
that were of a certain age, but yet now that everybody is back in the real world, it's okay to be doing this. I'm not saying that the league should have shut down. I'm just saying that if you wanted to pull this off, the agreement had to be that you wake up, you go to the arena, you get your tests, all that, and then you come home. And the people that you live with, they can't go anywhere either. So this this has to be a I mean it just like just like in the bubble where no one could leave come in, that's the way it has to be if you want to be playing in a environment that is as risk free as possible. But it is impossible. So limit life. If you want to play basketball right now, you have to limit life. You can't have guests in hotel rooms. You can't be going out to dinner even if it's in a private room. Life sucks. And if it sucks for NBA players, okay. If it sucks for the other professional athletes, okay. Life sucks. Get it. And if the players themselves and ownership in the league management, if they want to play, they need to come to the agreement that and an understanding that we need to throw then every single other resource at mental health Mm -hmm. to get everybody through this. Because there is no life. If you want the league to continue, you want to continue getting your paychecks, you want to keep arena workers working. You can't have fans in arenas. Let's start there. Get the fans out. Get the people out of hotel rooms. Eliminate everything else. And like the NBA said, they were going to be doing at the beginning. We are listening to science. Well, right now you're not listening to anybody because no, this isn't working. No, this idea of life sucks, which maybe that is the title of this podcast, um, at least for this episode. I mean, um, this idea of life sucks is so important, though. Because in a way, the limits and restrictions that we have and the way that we now have to temper our everyday expectations and and what it is that we plan to do, our plans all of a sudden now are restricted. Everything has changed because of COVID and it has made life suck. But in doing that, when you restrict it all, you also understand that, okay, the quicker you realize this sucks, the quicker we can then get to a resolution at some point. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. life back to normal as we know it tomorrow, but it means that, hey, the more people that say, you know what? Yeah, wearing a mask sucks. I don't care if you're in a building, outside, whatever, it sucks. But once you realize that and you just come to accept it, that also helps us get to a place of clarity quicker, a place of resolution quicker. And so I think that point is is so valid that like we need to just accept the idea that it sucks and then by the way you bring up fans and arenas i mean it's the interacting with others of course which spreads covid obviously not telling anyone that anything they don't know overly obvious here but what happens i know what happens at at uh the warriors new new spot when you go in you get tested And then there is a long waiting period. And you know what a lot of people then do? They go handle other stuff and interact with other people. 
So even if they then come back and get a negative test and are allowed in the building, they may have just gotten exposed in the period of time between when they took this test and when they then returned to the building. There's also this idea you about about the guests, and obviously that's been a hot topic as as Andrew Bogan mentions it, you know, on a podcast. Well, I talked to a reporter in the league who said, "Yeah, you know, I I I think that's true that there are guests allowed." Do you know during the bubble, Noah, there was an agreement between the players' association? I'm sure you know this actually, and and between the league, and they said, "Hey, if we're going to have guests." They had to be, quote unquote, longstanding relationships. It can't just be somebody you don't know that you met off of Instagram or Twitter or something in the DMs. Well, that's gone out the window. And now all of a sudden, again, it's this idea that we made it through the bubble. Now we're going to be okay. But as you point out, okay means that you're back to real life. And back to real life, as the rest of us know already, it sucks. All right, so a few things, because I do want to talk about Draymond as well. <laughs> Me too. When there are inconclusive tests or test results are not available yet, that player cannot be playing. That player needs to be left alone in a room away from everybody else. There's an inconclusive mm-hmm. test or a negative or a a test that they're still waiting on results for. So what the Sixers did of having Seth Curry on the bench, I mean, this is happening in the, in the NFL with Antonio Brown and the Buccaneers during the regular season. Where's the common sense? Like you just said mm-hmm. with the Golden State Warriors, you get tested and then like what it's like putting your name in for a reservation and then you go hang out at the bar until they call your name. Like, oh yeah, you get a test <laughs> and then you can... Yeah, we've got this area over here where everybody can hang out. Or like, yeah, you're just released back out into the wild. It, it can't work that way. It can't work that way. We don't even know if, well, I, I, I would say we do know. But if you want to play, like, are we sure that it's still best just to have all these guys all together playing basketball, let alone, well. let alone the fans? So, so that first, if you're going, you're going to be having – that happen then everything externally just like in the bubble needs to be 100% shut down now is that fair to do i would say mental health wise and for your families no that's not fair but that is reality if you want to be playing and for the league in order to make some money and television and for the players beginning their money it's extremely complicated but you know what the NBA is not immune to, no pun intended, not immune to any of this because they're a big mm-hmm. business just like everybody else. And if it fails, it fails. And I know that's not the most profound thing to say, but a lot of experiments have failed during this time. And the NBA cannot be a reason that this virus is spreading further. You've, if you have eight players out for any number of reasons for contract tracing. And then, so, all right, so maybe that guy's married. And then the wife took the kid to school and then maybe a teacher. You, you cannot be part of the problem. Everything you say is, is spot on. And Noah, we, we say all this and we can't ever lose sight of the fact that on January 7th, over 4,100 people died 
from COVID. And there are people, so as much as we want to complain and we need sports as a, just a way to deal with some of those same mental issues that we're having, that sports is a getaway and a release, in a weird way, it isn't because you watch it and go, wow, yeah, basketball has changed from how I'm used to watching it. But at the end of the day, as bad as we all think that we have it, there's still so many lives who've been lost to this. And, and, and it, we always have to think about that first as we base all of these decisions moving forward. I think about it every day. When I, when I look at the number of how many people have died that day, then I look at the total number. I do it every day. And I think about that every one of these people has died alone in the hospital. Died alone. Nobody deserves that. Died alone. How a family then is expected to move on from that is beyond comprehension. I've had friends who have lost relatives. Fortunately, I have not lost any relatives during this time. But how anybody watches a loved one die and have iPads held up so that they can be there, quote unquote, and not hold a hand. And this isn't anything that any of us ever expected to be dealing with. And if the worst thing in the world that happens to the NBA is that they have to rethink their entire economic model, fine, fine. Coming up next, Draymond would like defense to be sexier in the fans' eyes. And I'll tell you what's really sexy when it comes to Draymond. That's next. So I told you last week that, look, I can't imagine the Steelers losing to the Browns. And I know four points was a lot. I can't imagine the Steelers losing to the Browns. Steelers fans would not be able to even lift up their heads. Well, that didn't happen. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. And I've told you before that yeah, I might be able to help you out on the NBA side. And that's another yeah. thing of this, whole, of this whole thing is the – we didn't even get into was the gambling side of this. Oh, How yeah. this impacts the gambling and fantasy. Yikes. But you're going to do it. We've got the place that you should trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today, free account, betonline.ag, and you use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. So you put in 100 bucks, you end up getting 50 more, so there's 150. And look, let's be transparent here. If you're going to bet on these games, got to wait until, I think, and you can bet some futures if you'd like, but I would bet NBA-wise, right up to the moment where the line disappears or go with live betting. Uh, and one thing, Noah, you also remember the one most important thing probably of this season, if you are going to do this, check out the national TV schedule. And furthermore, check out the games that take place following teams playing a national TV schedule. Because that's when they can sit their superstars, but they can't do it any longer during those national TV games. So if you can get ahead of it, if there is a line open for the next day, just, I mean, you got to be, you got to be vigilant. 
So locked on L O C K E D on locked on 50% welcome bonus. Your first deposit bet online, your online sports book experts. So betting on any sport doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to locked on bets, it's the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling, get daily picks, quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. That's all you can do at this point. And they're really good. I went through a stretch with them last week, winning 10 out of 13. Subscribe to Locked On Bets, the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Adam, before we dive into our comments on Draymond, I want to make sure that everybody has heard from Draymond over the weekend during a post-game media availability. Wondering, do you wish defense was seen like in a sexier way? But like being in good position or just staying vertical, that's just as important potentially as hitting a splashy three, but it's the three that ends up on a highlight reel. Uh, well, that would require people to know the game of basketball, and most people don't. And so, uh, you know, wish for thinking. But most people will never learn a game of basketball. So, I mean, they think they know, but yet don't have a clue. So, it is what it is. I I enjoy being one of the not so many people that actually know the game and being in that rare category of people who really know what's going on in the game of basketball as opposed to watching and think they can dissect it because they realize who hit a shot. Um, you know. Uh, it's fine. I wanted to go back to what you said about people not really knowing or understanding the game of basketball. Uh, how would you go about teaching them? Uh, well, first off, in order to learn, you have to understand what you don't know. And and most people don't understand that they don't know shit, and so they're just fucked. And that's just what, that's just what it would be. You know, it's like, a drug addict. The first step to rehab is admitting that you're a drug addict. And so when you have all these um, internet sensations thinking they know the game of basketball, they would then have to admit that they don't know basketball. And no one's going to do that. So yeah, they're pretty much just... So at the very beginning, he was asked, do you wish defense was sexier in fans' eyes, essentially? You know what's sexy? A four-year, $100 million deal that started this year. That's sexy. Why does Draymond (laughs) give a shit about what what he calls internet sensations that think they know basketball? Why does he care? Who cares? Block it out. I'm not telling Draymond that noise from the outside should never, ever make it into your psyche. Because that's impossible. But what is with the attack? And when he says that there's no way to teach this to people because they think they know everything already. So then is that how you react to when anything political or social, it's, well, it's always been this way. So do you take the same tack? Do you take the, well, I don't know, man. It's always been this way. You're never going to change those people's minds. So you shouldn't try to change their minds or educate them. 
Come on, man. No, when Draymond started coming up and, and making a name for himself at Michigan State, people that appreciated his game could say, well, this guy, you know, has a, has a high basketball IQ. No one's born with that. You pick it up and certain guys just like the aptitude for certain people in the classroom is, is just different, but it requires teachers and professors. It requires having some basis of education. And you think about Draymond Green, who had a chance to be coached by Tom Izzo. He had a chance to be coached by Steve Kerr. He's had a chance to, to learn the game from those which, yes, already some strong instincts for the game. But then those guys help him take it to another level, not to mention the assistant coaches and whether we're talking about, you know, Ron Adams or Bruce Frazier and the guys on the, on the Warrior staff, Mike Brown, through the years. Just the idea that there's so much that, that others you can, you can glean from. It's not like Draymond knew it all when he was coming out of high school and got to Michigan. And so... My point being that even incredibly bright basketball minds will still benefit from the fact that others are teaching them. And there's still stuff that they can learn. There are still, no matter how well you think you know the game, there's still others that are going to help you learn more. It was interesting because I just talked to Coach Nick, a b-ball breakdown, who is one of these guys that probably falls in the camp of at least the guys Draymond's talking about who does put out breakdown videos clearly on YouTube and on other places where you can view it on, on the internet and on Twitter and all that. And, and Nick said, man, I, I hope he wasn't talking about me, but I don't think he would be. And I was like, I really hope he doesn't because coach Nick knows what he's talking about. Are there people out there who don't? Yes, there are some that are putting stuff out there that don't, but here's the problem. And I would say this to Draymond, most importantly, if you are going to make a statement like that, some broad generalization about people who are putting out videos and breakdowns and we're, and they're talking about how defense isn't appreciated in that way, like name names, yeah, name names. Right. So that was when, when you tweet, you texted me the video and I watched it. And I think my first text back to you was name names. Yes, it was. So, and, and how is that not, the follow-up question. All right, so who exactly, who exactly are you talking about? Right, so be specific. Let people know exactly who you're talking about. Because you've now just left it open-ended for people to want. I, is he talking about me? Is he talking about me? Is he talking about me? But you know what? I, I will tell you. you. You know what's not sexy is the hard hedge. It's, it's just not. Like, I don't want to watch social videos over and over and over again about the hard hedge. I appreciate what Mo DeKeel does and Steve Jones does and Coach Nick does. I, I, I appreciate that stuff when I watch it in the string but that, mm-hmm. because I learn. But that stuff, that's not going to go viral. But you know, what's right. also, you know what's also great about Twitter, if that's who he's talking about? If mm-hmm. you're talking about the Twitter platform and, it's, and you're Draymond, you can filter who you want to follow. So why don't you follow the people who know basketball? Right. Yeah, some things might work their way into your, your feed every now and then. But if, if you think that your icing of a 
pick and roll is should be getting as many views as a chase down block or the three at the end of the game, you've lost it. Here's the problem is that when you start with broad generalizations and saying that, and you don't name names and, and people can look at it. We always love to ask that question, right? And you're wonderful at it. You'd love to say when someone brings up, yeah, there were some good guys that I played pickup with and, and some of the media guys were terrible. Like, oh, whew. like name names. You're, you're wonderful at, at cutting right to it. But when Draymond has this broad generalization and, 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 and says, guys, look, we bash NBA Twitter all the time. We've also named names as, as people who listen to this podcast know. But when you, when you just go with this sweeping generalization, then the problem is everyone gets lumped together and they're not all the same. And then the problem is that people start speculating about stuff that you're like, then they start to make assumptions about what you're saying or who you're talking about. And that may not be true. And, and that's the issue ultimately that we're having with the way that people view quote unquote, the media all the time, as you point out, there's different levels. There are different people who work within the media there are people who are wonderful fact checkers. There are people who are incredible reporters. There's long form reporters that do feature stories. There, there are people that do investigative journalism. There's all types of different journalists. But if you group them all together as the media, it's easy to say, oh, the media is terrible or the media only cares about clicks or the media only cares. Go back and listen to our interview with Howard Beck. We discussed that. Sometimes the bosses want clicks. Sometimes the writer Many times, most times, the writer just wants to write what's in their heart, what's top of mind, what's interesting to them. So, again, same thing should be true for those trying to dissect and break down the game. Are there a lot of people out there that are ignorant and just want to push narratives and think that stuff would be good for clickbait? Absolutely. But if you don't identify specifically who you're talking about and, in and instead just group everyone together, it's not good for any of us. And was was Draymond not collecting a check from Turner mm. when he was on when he mm. was on their set and he was mm -hmm. breaking down film that way? So why why not then call out Shaq and Charles for yeah. being as basic as it gets? Is that is that who you're talking about? Name names, so, pal. Like I don't I don't so. I don't pretend to watch the game through a lens of a video coordinator or someone who mm -hmm. is breaking down film i want i watch the game to be entertained and then read a ton listen to a ton and try to constantly be learning when i used to do a radio show on, on serious nba radio i remember brian geltzeiler was my host on on the weekends and I, I've told, I think I've told this part before where he would completely shut himself down when at the top of the eight o'clock hour, I would highlight something that an NBA player did in the community or something terrific off the court. And mm -hmm. he shut himself mm -hmm. down. He's like, nobody wants to hear this. People are turning off their radios, this, that. Okay. What I really, and, and I resented it then, and I still resent it now, and I think it was obnoxious to the nth degree. And I hope he regrets it. But what I didn't say was, so you think 
the people who are driving in their cars now like are scintillated by how Tyson Chandler shows on the pick and roll instead of <laughs> works in drop coverage. Like, come on. <laughs> like, stop pretending. Stop pretending. It, it, everybody, that, everybody, everybody has their expertise. That's every, every, everybody does. I was just about I was just about to bring that up. And this is this is my final point on it. Is that is that people each have their own experiences and perspectives as well. And so while some may be excellent at breaking down game film or even using game film to tell the story they want to tell, which I think Coach Nick does a wonderful job at. So, Coach, I do want to give you a shout out for that. And obviously, as you point out, Mo DeKeel does a wonderful job in game talking about what he's seeing from a former video guy in the league's perspective. But. What's interesting is everybody has their different perspective. I mean, no, your experience in the media, you can tell sometimes when a guy answers a question, maybe he was trained to answer the question that way. Uh, Maybe he's not being honest with himself. Maybe he's trying to cover up for a teammate. You have that perspective that others don't. And so there's expertise there that you have and, and can bring to the table, not to mention what you've read and what you've learned from the people around you and who you've spent time with. And I'll just say this, like, um, I spent a lot of time with, with Flip Saunders when we were at ESPN together and didn't coach with him, didn't play for him, but there were certain things that he would talk to me about. And I remember one time saying, hey, how would you have your teams defend LeBron James? Would you, on, you know, pick and roll coverage, how would you handle it? Are you trying to double him? You know, is it a hard hedge? What have you? Like, how are you handling those things? Are you going to ask him to shoot? You going behind screens? What are you doing? And I'm thinking I'm asking this question where he's going to give me this very basketball specific answer. And he said to me, well, I think shutting down superstar players, you have to learn which one is their dominant eye. Like their dominant eye? What are you talking about? He goes, well, you know, if you cover up, if you look at an image far away and you cover up one of your eyes, you always use one eye as the one that you're actually looking at the image of. So if you cover your eye, your left eye first, and you try to look at an image a little bit farther away, and then you cover your right eye, you realize you're actually using your right or your left. Because once you figure out a player's dominant eye, he's like, then you can kind of shield that eye. And if you get a hand up near that eye, that then limits their vision. And I just thought, wow, that is like such a different way that he's viewing the game and coaching the game and all of that. And it was something that just always stuck with me. And I think that different people, and I don't care if it's media members, coaches, players, executives, they all bring different perspectives to the game. So again, if you're not going to name names, it's harmful. But also, even within people that we might sometimes laugh at, like, yeah, they probably got that wrong or don't understand this or that, they probably come with their own perspective and their own expertise that can be beneficial to the rest of us. Coming up, what we're looking forward to this week, hopefully (laughs) basketball. (laughs) RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So just go to RockAuto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything you possibly imagine for your car or truck, everything. And a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com has a catalog that's really unique and remarkably easy to navigate it's like going to all these other sites where you, you know, filter, 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 boom, got what I'm looking for. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you can easily find it there as well. 
because of the easy to navigate catalog. The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers and as we like to say, the try-it-yourselfers because you might think you're a do-it-yourselfer, but then you try it yourself and it doesn't work and then you hand it off to the professionals, but you know that you are getting the reliably low price no matter what. So then why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You could save the money and then you could sign up for Draymond's basketball teaching course. It's, it's a win-win. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D space on, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Believe it or not, March Madness is a few months away, which feels like a lifetime away, but the future of the NBA is being played right now. College basketball is going on sometimes, some days, some weeks, and you can get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. His first big board of the year is out. Chad's first big board of the year is out with profiles of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, some names that you need to know now. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And that leads right into as this third segment, we often do what I'm looking forward to. And then Adam, who's been so heavily involved in the college prospect at the NBA prospect at the college level for years and years and years. So this perfectly leads into asking Adam about the college guy that he's most looking forward to watching this week who might have an NBA future. No, the guy for me isn't one of these guys that, that we're hearing about at the top of draft boards. Um, it's easy because as you mentioned, Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham, and there's a bunch of guys in this year's draft to, to be pumped about. But the guy that I am curious to see is um, McKinley Wright. And McKinley Wright um, is, a, is a college stud right now. Earl Watson the other day I was talking to compared him to Eric Bledsoe. But the thing about they have very similar bodies, around the same height, strong, can finish in the paint. The difference is that McKinley Wright is such a particular point guard. He is such a wonderful lead guard and has cut his mistakes down. So he plays this week for Colorado. Uh, they play Thursday against Cal, and they play against Stanford, who has Iyer Williams, another another NBA draft standout, uh, and we'll see him on Saturday. But just the interesting part about McKinley Wright, two things I want to say. First, his improvement year to year has been remarkable. He's now a senior, so already you say, okay, I'm a little bit worried because he's an older player, if you're thinking about him from a draft perspective. But you think about the point guards that can come in and make a difference. And the guy he's most notably compared to now is Peyton Pritchard, who's doing wonderful things for the Celtics, a guy that really refined himself as an excellent lead guard at the college level. McKinley Wright's been the same way. He's followed sort of the same trajectory in college every year. His, his scoring for the last three seasons has gone up. He's now averaging 16 a game, over five assists a game. His turnovers for the last three years, even though his assists have gone up, his turnovers have gone down. He's also shooting 61% from inside the arc, shooting 36.7% from three. But this is a guy 55% from the floor, wonderful in the mid-range game, knows how to direct the team, gets up in, into you defensively. And the other interesting thing, other than just his improvement through four years, 
has been just the idea Colorado's had an outstanding lead guard for four years, which his coach, Tad Boyle, when he was a freshman, said, I would rather have McKinley Wright for four years than DeAndre Ayton for one. I'm curious as to your take on how you would analyze that, but that's how Tad Boyle put it. Well, a few things there. One, I mean, DeAndre Ayton didn't get out of the first round, but did DeAndre Ayton lead to more troubles at Arizona than what it was worth? I might say so. But if you're going to have a guy who can be the cornerstone of your program for those four years at a program like Colorado, it means a ton. If you tell me that you'd rather have, you know, you're, you're with the hindsight that DeAndre Ayton didn't get out of the first round. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it was during these segments that you brought up Peyton Pritchard last year and that he's a winner. That's, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know that the, uh, the black white, comparisons were allowed um with Peyton <laughs> and McKinley Wright like we're still you know we're still doing this like I oh. still see I still see the like Peyton the Peyton Pritchard comps I saw this week were like like high-end Steve Nash low-end Scott Brooks or something like oh. what, what, what are we doing like, I don't understand. like why does it have to be I thought they were gonna say like uh high-end Wes Welker like why does it have to be a white guy I just, I, I just, without I just fail, don't get it. Without fail, it's funny. Last year, because there was a lot of Peyton Pritchard within Pac-12 circles, the easy comparison was Aaron Holiday, because they were two guys that you could see sort of fulfilling the same role, being excellent lead guards for a second unit, and then uh-huh. develop into starters on, in their own right. And they both had just had success in the Pac-12. They were a perfect comparison. And so, of course, who does everyone compare Peyton Pritchard to? It's like, hey, do you think Peyton Pritchard's going to have success in the league? And you constantly heard this. Um, well, TJ McConnell is, you know, <laughs> without fail, without, it's like his game is not like TJ Um, what I'm looking forward to, if we get it is as again, we're recording this Monday afternoon, Eastern time is Mavs Hornets. And no, I have not heard yet back anything from the Hornets about why I didn't get the radio job. A little <laughs> transparency wouldn't kill anybody. Wouldn't <laughs> kill anybody. Just a phone call. Yeah. Rather not have the HR email, just a phone call, some decency. But either way, Mavs Hornets on Wednesday, I want to see LaMelo and, and Luca. Mm. And the LaMelo is, when we went over the, the guys that are must watch before the season started, LaMelo is that guy. You, whether he, and I think I even said, like, if he goes 0 for 15, you still want to watch him play. You're still drawn to LaMelo ball. And the game on ESPN Wednesday night is Nets Knicks. What I would like, and I think Mavs Hornets starts at seven, maybe same time at seven thirty. But I would like, and I if I don't know how it works on the national on the national side, but some cut-ins to things that Lamelo is doing. Like, why not be able to do the game breaks like they do in the NFL? when there are, there are touchdowns, scoring plays, interceptions, whatever, or at least throw up the picture-in-picture picture for a moment to show something from LaMelo Ball or from really any other game that is sick and is going to go viral online. Why not just throw it on TV so the folks who are watching TV don't feel like they're missing anything? So that's what I'm looking forward to on Wednesday. Yeah, it, it's LaMelo has been everything as advertised. And we saw two games ago, he was one assist shy from being the youngest player 
to record a triple double, and then he does it the next game out in dramatic fashion. And 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 Noah, I've said over and over again watching this guy play. What's so awesome is just how loose he plays. It's it's one thing to do the things he's doing, and I say this all the time in like practice sessions, workout sessions. You see a lot of of NBA players who can do, who can play with this style, or if they play pickup against guys that aren't at their level, you'll see them throw a lot of cool, fancy passes and do some dribbling moves that are sick. Lamelo carries that same swagger, that same poise, that looseness, that relaxation about his game. Uh, it's it's like a level of mindfulness that into the games themselves, and it's it's awesome. It's so much fun to watch because it's so rare for a player to be able to do that. Never mind a player that's as young as he is. And you get Lamelo against Luca. Oh. I just hope the Mavs. I hope the Mavs wear those green unis. Those are awesome. And with the old with the old logo and the M and the ten gallon hat, that center court, that M script, it's great. It's great. Uh, real quick, a little bit of life. Real quick, Eden mm-hmm. lost her first tooth. As we reported on Monday afternoon, she lost it on Sunday night. And the other one on the bottom is ridiculously loose as well. She didn't even know it fell out. And I knew it was going to happen eating. She eats uh, uh, dried pineapple almost every night. Like just the, okay. it's just a slice of pineapple dried. You get it at the Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and of course, no added sugar since that's what she's concerned with most. And so she was just, she pulled on it and it fell out and, she didn't know that her tooth fell out, and she said to Marissa, I wasn't even in the room, she said to Marissa, Mom, something hard here. I don't know, something hard here. And Marissa said, ah, it's your tooth. <laughs> so, and her first tooth came out. Tooth fairy, and you know this, having two teenage girls, mm-hmm. the tooth fairy stuff is tricky. I'm glad Eden believes in the tooth fairy. I'm glad she does. But the whole sneaking into the room, getting the tooth, putting the money under the pillow, I couldn't get... And Marissa and I, we couldn't get the note she had left for the tooth fairy from out from under the pillow, but that's really, that's really stressful. Like all it takes, all it takes is like one floor creak or your ankle to crack or, or you breathe too heavy. (laughs) You go in like, um, like it was like one of those situations in breaking bad where they couldn't breathe. They're running into the meth lab and like just going and getting in and getting out. That's what it felt like. The, it, it's so funny you bring that up. I know as one of the chosen people, you don't have to deal with the, the, the Santa Claus stuff. And, and that involves a lot of pre-planning. And, okay, what kind of um, um, wrapping paper am I going to get for the Santa Claus? How do I hide that in advance? You know, where are the presents being stored weeks ahead of time? So all that kind of stuff. And for the kids out there, make your own judgments about Santa Claus, but I'm just saying, Noah doesn't have to deal with any of this. The, you get well, into the, but, but tooth not, not to the stuff, same extent, not to the same extent. Of no, course. no, 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 um, no, a, a, just a different type, just a different type of, uh, but the, but the point is that the tooth fairy stuff flies under the radar as a parent to, to your point, because all of a sudden you're dealing with, if you forget that too, by the way, it's all blown up. And by the way, the teeth start popping out left and right. So, you know, as, as, as the months and years go by, there's going to be times where it just, it, it escapes your mind. There, there were more than one occasion where I'd have to come in in the morning and my daughter would already be up, be like, I, I, there's nothing here. Like I put my tooth, it's still there. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
She's like, well, my tooth was was there. And now all of a sudden I have to like slip my arm around. What are you? Oh, look right here underneath the, you know, the whole quarter behind the ear trick. So uh, just hold that one in your back pocket if you have to. But yeah. if they if they find the tooth, then it's over forever. So just realize that sometimes you go, hey, maybe the tooth fairy didn't find it. You didn't put a note, something else. Maybe you're going to have to do it again tonight. So that's another one that you could use if you're a lousy parent like like I <laughs> Uh, fair to say you had a lot on your plate fair to say but the it is it's it's extremely extremely stressful and i and i didn't expect it to be that stressful either amazing congrats to eden congrats to eden check out everything else on the locked on podcast network locked on nba is five days a week the national program hollinger and duncan john hollinger nate duncan consistently one of the top sports podcasts, basketball podcasts, and all the land. And also, this podcast, Rejecting the Screen, was named the Locked On Podcast Network Show of the Week. Let's go. Like a little, like, internal thing. And it's Let's actually go. really, it's amazing we even got an hour to, to do this, do this record, because just my, my phone has been blowing up, just asking for comments and the recognition. It's really, it's been overwhelming. So thank you. Thank you. We really do appreciate it. There is Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. I don't know how Josh Lloyd is not just pulling all of his hair out, <laughs> given guys going in and out of lineups and yikes. Real quick, did you end up winning your fantasy week this week? Uh, tied. <laughs> tied. I, as, I, as I had mentioned, I, I sent you the text. I said that I know no one else wants to hear about someone else's fantasy team. I do this with my brother. Needed 14 points. Needed 14 points. Not not points in a specific category, but just scoring points. 14 points to win 5-4 and had Anthony Edwards, Kelvin Johnson, and Steph Curry. And at the time I texted you, they were combined 2 of 23. I know Steph ended up going like, what was it, 2 of 16 last night, something insane. Anthony Edwards, scoreless, 0 for 8. Kelvin Johnson, I think, had... I think Kelvin Johnson had three points, Steph Curry had 11. And so those three guys combined for 14 points. Uh, I can assure you that will never happen so again, that those three guys will combine for 14. Yeah, it was, it was common. I could have won my week, but the Heat didn't play. So Bam didn't play and you can't switch them out. It, it's so, it's so <laughs> silly. And Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Frank, I saw unable to join us on the program mm-hmm. today. You can follow us on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.